Hello, I'm Tim Worthington and joined by Stephen O'Brien. We're nominally here to record the Christmas special of Looks Unfamiliar, but we thought as we're here and Top of the Pops 1986 is on, we're going to do what we would have done back in them days and actually watch it and sort of make fun of it. So I've got no idea what's coming up in this, have you? I've got no idea. I think we're on 1986. We are. It's the 9th of October 1986. So I'm hoping it's going to be full of absolute rubbish and novelty stuff and not classic pop that you can see everywhere all the time. By my reckoning, we're in the post-Boris Garden phase. I sincerely hope so. Thank God for that. (laughs) Ah, the wizard and those computer graphics. They seemed so futuristic at the time, didn't they? They did, actually. I was always bothered by that guitar head. Didn't it look more like a tank? It looked like a big track, (laughs) didn't it? (laughs) Oh, thank God. It's Gary Davis and Simon Mayo. Is this Simon Mayo's first one? It could be. He's wearing an interesting shirt. Spoilers. Right, I was going to say, do you remember where you were when this one was on? But I certainly remember where I was when I saw the Bangles doing Walk This Way. Walk This Way? Uh, Walk Like an Egyptian. Yeah. Getting the 1986 all wrong there, really. They were a funny old bunch, the Bangles, weren't they? Obviously, everybody goes on around about Susanna Hoffs. Mm, I was prefer Vicky. Yeah, me too. But there was one who looked like the mum. Wasn't there? Oh, the bass player. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Mrs. Bangle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think this was on, I, I assume we're going to be mentioning a lot during this, Hits 5. Oh, Hits This was on side one, wasn't it? It certainly was. And uh, I remember it being one of the better choices on side one, which is the kind of AOR American rock side, which had Heartbeat by Don Johnson. <laughs> I don't think even he remembers that. I don't think he remembers much, to be quite honest. Well, no, but, you know, to be kind of the star of, like, a transatlantically successful show where, you know, the theme music was a hit, some incidental music was a hit, loads of records from it were hits, like that Don Henley one. And, you know, the star does his own record and nobody buys it. That's a bit embarrassing, isn't it? But you know what I think it was? I think people sussed out that Don Johnson on Miami Vice... Took his rolled up jacket sleeve look from Les Dennis and Dustin G. He did actually, yeah. Well, did he? I don't really know. <laughs> a bit of slow mo there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've got to say, you know, I would have been watching this very attentively at the time, although I do more fondly remember when the, they did this on Whistle Test around the same time. And it was very clear, I think, that. Debbie, the drummer, when she does the whistling, which is coming up now, obviously she couldn't get it right during the live performance, and she was very clearly miming to a tape on whistle test. A bit like Hal Bennett. On <laughs> yes, it's Twisted Nerve! <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the first time the fangles have been linked to Twisted Nerve. <laughs> <laughs> it won't be the last, I'm sure. You can see the... The camera, the top of the pops cameraman here, trying the best to live up to their reputation. Yeah, the yeah. Arts. There's a lot of um, chest area close-ups, aren't there? Yeah. Trying to go a bit up skirt as well, yeah, yeah, probably. But none of them are wearing skirts, though. That's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> Belts more like. Yeah. But I think um, 
have never done a commentary on top of the pot yeah. before. Well, we do, did plenty, yeah. just not uh, recorded. Did, That's yeah. the thing. <laughs> do I take my lead from John Howard Davies on the Faulty Towers DVDs, <laughs> yeah, exactly. where there'd be silence for like half an hour, and he'd say, "There's John, there's Connie <laughs> Prunella, John again." <laughs> There's... Oh, and Andrew. Do you know what I hated most about that? You start saying something like, the interesting thing was, when we built this set, we didn't realise that a camera would have to come down. John, Prunella. Oh, those commentaries, they were possibly the worst commentaries ever. Well, maybe I'll avoid No, no, the worst style. commentaries, Greg Grunberg doing Hero's commentaries. Whoa! Oh! <laughs> okay, yeah, there's Gary surrounding. He doesn't want that bloke there behind him, does he? Yeah. There's a load of quite attractive women and a bloke basically doing Hello Mum with a very strange haircut. Oh, yes. Oh, it's the make and pose soundtrack to Lofty sliding down his bedroom door itself. It's every loser wins. And brilliantly, on the mantelpiece just there, you will see it's the Nick Berry album with this on. I can see that. Have you ever actually heard it? I've heard some of it. (laughs) It was actually better than I thought it would be. On the cover of Cool Jerk. (laughs) It's better than the Grange Hill album. Oh, um, you know the teacher, what a smash head. And Anne Jones singing Girls Just Want to Have Fun. No, he didn't <laughs> don't like Mondays in Melvin Dick. Girls Just Want to Have Fun. I, mean... I know my Grange Hill album. Is that supposed to look like Susan Tully, do you think? Vague. It's got a vague sort of similarity in how her hair was at the time, I think. If but... the lights were off and you were wearing a blindfold, mm. perhaps. But of course, this was on BBC Records, too. It was, it was, yeah. Now, if only somebody had written <laughs> a history of BBC Records and tapes. Oh, uh, well, the full story behind this and something out of nothing are in that. Because for anyone who doesn't know, this was a storyline on EastEnders where the younger residents of Alpha Square formed a band. And so they actually fell out over Every Loser Wins because Wixie, in the way of comments, thought he should be writing the music as well as the lyrics. Or was it the other way around? But anyway... They didn't like Every Loser Wins, so he got ejected, and his lyrics to something got nothing was still used by them. And then, like, it was a very banal story, but I loved it at the time. But now people say it was the worst moment of EastEnders ever. I don't think it was, I think it was brilliant at the time. It is not the worst moment of EastEnders. Well, no, that's. (laughs) Everything that's come since has been, really. I can't remember the last time anybody sang in EastEnders. Mm. It's probably since 1986. Yeah. And do you remember used to play it in the Vic on the Wii piano that had two keyboards? It's like a Hammond Orca, but it was a piano. I could never figure out what's going on there. But he did not, he played it in the programme, but not on the recording, from what I know. All right, okay. Because he, he had actually been in bands before acting, but he's now disappeared, hasn't he? TV's Nick Berry. I think TV's Nick Berry made quite a lot of money over the years and mm. kind of retired gracefully after Horror yeah. Lights. He's, he's kind of like the, the Sid Barrett of EastEnders, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know, that's what, what's her face he did Love's Unkind, who was supposed to be the next big thing. Sophie Lawrence. Sophie Lawrence, yeah, with the, the video where she wrote really fast on a blackboard <laughs> in it. What happened to her? Yeah. Panto awaits, I think. Yeah. Do you know what the B-side of this was? Every winner loses? No. <laughs> Every loser wins instrumental, <laughs> which is nearly as good. That looks like the Jesus and Mary chamber. Oh no, it's Julian Cope, isn't it? Ah, right, it's microphone stand era Julian Cope. Yeah, this was 
It's weird, he kind of disowns his 80s stuff now. But, I mean, a lot of people listening are going to think this is heresy, but that's my absolute favourite. This album and My Nation Underground. I think they're just brilliant, because it's like a very, very weird, updated monkeys, I, I'd say. You no, know, I see where you come from there. I, I thought it was a good album, actually, this yeah. one. Oh, well, the album this came from, of course. Yeah. Funny so my brother went to school with with a boy who was banned from listening to this because he was banned his, from listening. He was well banned from mouth. listening to "World Shut Your Mouth" because <laughs> his mother found the title offensive. But what's that? See, that's what I can't figure out. I remember the next day on the bus to school, there was loads of kids singing, not singing "World Shut Your Mouth," just singing "Shut Your Mouth, Shut Your Mouth," as though it was. The most daring thing in the world, having the secret thing to discover. It's not actually that rude, is it? Especially when you're saying, world, shut your mouth. So, if it was world distributors, shut yeah. your mouth. <laughs> that, that would have been quite well, offensive. The thing is, was it 1986 when they actually did, when they stopped doing the Doctor Who annuals? <laughs> so, because nobody was bloody making it, that's why. <laughs> yeah, that... It is odd how when you're a kid you think things that say things like shut your mouth are incredibly offensive and confrontational, but and it's not. <laughs> I'm quite busy admiring Julian Cope's hair here. It is astonishing, isn't it? It's uh... I, I, I can't even describe what that is at the front of his head. <laughs> it's about seven hairstyles all at once. It's a bit like Jim Damien from Home and Away. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> Damien from Home and Away and the, and the one with the hair from Freewheelers. <laughs> it's, it is literally a combination of the two. And he's all decked out in leather. Yeah. He's kind of been great under those studio lights. No, but I, I don't imagine he was probably too aware of his surroundings <laughs> looking at him. It was always, it was quite strange in these days, in those days rather, when something like this would turn up on top of the pops. You know, it's kind of Angular. I know he wasn't on an indie label, but sort of indie hit. It was like always felt like you kind of got the sense that a lot of other people would be watching, thinking, "I don't like this. It's giving me a headache." It's coming back to what you said before. It was like an updated version of the Monkees. It's mm. actually almost sort of is almost a prelude to early nineties. Yeah, that sound yeah. Of the Manchester scene and there is there is a lot of looking forward to. It. It's quite like early Blur, yeah. I think. Actually, there's a lot of there's no other way in it. Is that Mike Joyce from the Smiths on the drums? I can't tell. Oh, actually, no. I think the Smiths were still being a going concern at that point. Gary's being very earnest. You know, a, a, a two big jacket and his four <laughs> shirts compared to Mayo's quite. <laughs> By comparison, tame striped shirt. You can tell the difference. You know, Davis being an old hand, Mayo being new. Yeah. Interesting to see in a few years. Boris Gardner. Oh, that's uh, your everything to me, the second one, oh. isn't it? Piri Hyde. Coop's hair. Is that still in the chart? Oh, that was dreadful, that was. Do you remember that one? Yeah. But I like the Wizards. Yeah. I know it gets a lot of stick, but, you know, I don't buy the idea that Yellow Pearl was the only good Top of the Pops theme. I even like the 60s one. Like, whatever it's called. I think it's just called Percussion Drum or something, isn't it? <laughs> they were always called things like that in the 60s. Two Boris Gardner appearances. Great Not photo of Boris Gardner there. Yeah, laughing at some flowers. 
looking a bit like Annie Lennox. I was going to say Princess Diana. Diana. <laughs> yeah. There's well, like a thousand around. members of Midnight Star. There are. Uh, no! Oh, <laughs> sweet breezy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this incredible like, photo of Paul yeah. Young with his legs pointing upwards of 45 degrees. Cetera. Etc. Et yeah. God, I've forgotten that existed. Oh, oh Farley Jack Master Funk. Yeah, I still bangles. approve of the bangles. Are they bangles or the bangles? It seems to vary. <laughs> another song in May? Yeah, another BBC Records and Tapes single, or was that? I need from Amazulu. No, just me said nothing about that. <laughs> Cutting crew, yeah. Ah, brilliant. Run DMC. Run DMC. Yeah. Listen to them before. OMD. Jermaine Stewart's shoulder pads were bigger than him. Well, he had to store the cherry yeah. wine somewhere, didn't he? He did. I think this is going to be Wonderland by Paul Young, which I seem to remember not actually being a tangible song. Oh, this was just a load of Fairlight. Yeah, this was on Hit Stuff, Five as it? well. This is like people like him and Howard Jones and Nick Kershaw. They were kind of washed up in late 86. I think it was a post-live aid thing, but they were all these big comebacks that got to, like, number 34 or something. And we're a bit... I won't say a bit uninspired, because Radio Musicola by Nick Kershaw. Kershaw. Brilliant, yeah. I know, obviously, we've talked about this many times before around... And I remember mm. you postulating the theory around live aid changing that landscape of music. Mm-hmm. And it's just amazing how many people did fall by the wayside. Yeah. But that said, if you're gonna is this even a song as it started yet? If you're gonna do this, you're gonna fall by the wayside. But Oh, this was the one I was thinking of about the fair light hijinks was um is it we're gonna tear this playhouse down? That at least had a bit of verve it to did, it. Yeah. That, this is just like this is the the target theme, <laughs> but slower. <laughs> <laughs> it's wearing a very natty leather waistcoat though. And there's an incredible hairstyle on the guitarist. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm fairly sure. Yeah, this was. This was on Hits 5. And I think it lasts about six minutes. Cause I, think, I remember when you look at the vinyl, it's like about <laughs> taking up that much of one side. Yeah, the others that were faded out early. Who needed all of this? I'm guessing you've forgotten this. What are you making of it so far? I'll be quite honest with you. For an 80s aficionado such as I am, I don't even remember hearing this before now. <laughs> and that's maybe a representative of how far Paul Young fell off the map, so to mm. speak. Yeah. After no parlay. I mean... <laughs> I've just got a picture in my head of one of those, those medieval maps where you know, it's like, here be monsters <laughs> like the edge of the world, Paul Young falling over it. <laughs> But then if you think about, obviously, where I laid my hat, mm. massive, it was yeah, a cover. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the people. people. Cover. Yeah. Was Come Back and Stay an original track, or was that a cover? I'm not sure. Because obviously, but, but there's at least two biggest hits yeah. covers. Yeah. And obviously on this, I, I was, we're going to tear this Playhouse Town cover Yes, it was. That was Ampeebles, yeah. wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
I don't think he's taking anyone back to Wonderland, I think. Oh, yeah, that bit. That's blame it on the boogie slowed down. Dun, 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 but I like dun, the way the keyboard is. Yeah. Did that big dramatic chord thing and then lifted his arms up and carried on playing the keyboards in midair. Yeah. Do you think he had one of those? You know the way these those racks are like different Yamaha DX7? Do you think he thought he had one and he reached up and it wasn't there? He probably did where you got like five keyboards and you can't replay more than two at any one time can you well no I think it, I think it was just I'm, trying to be like you know those when guitarists have those stupid like two guitars stuck together you know like where it's two guitars on one guitar and then the video for Land of Confusion by Genesis like the puppet of Mike Rutherford had about eight <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit like the blue Mercedes keyboards and the big sort of double <laughs> It was like a dual bass kind of keyboard yeah. thing, wasn't it? I'm, like, I'm right about this. Nobody said keytar in the 80s, did they? Not no. even in Brat Pack films. That is a new... Nobody said... And as well, I've had arguments with people about this. Nobody said mullet in the 80s because the Beastie Boys invented that word in their fan club magazine, Grand Royal. Oh, right, in okay. About 93, I think. But it was a, there was an article called Mulling Over the Mullet, What Do We Call This Hairstyle? <laughs> where Mike D decided it was called that. But... It's been sort of retrofitted, like Kitar has been, because what did we actually call them at the time? Those, I just, I think I used to vaguely say, those keyboards like Gary Newman has, where it's like a guitar but yeah. a keyboard. I don't know. I never remember anybody calling them Kitar. No. Terrible name, anyway. Didn't He Man used to fight Kitar? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Paul, I didn't enjoy that one bit. No. What's that, that giant. Weird, strange man behind Gary. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> oh god! Oh wow! Right, Jed Hoyle, the mind guy, basically dressed as Mister Nosy Bonk. You're absolutely dumbstruck by this. Do you remember it at all? No, I don't. I was listening to Howard Jones before yeah. in the office. Well, I remember him doing this on Wogan. I think it was the world premiere of it. And he performed it with Jed in that mask. And they had a huge photographic blow-up of the mask behind them. And then when Terry interviewed afterwards, he did say, Oh, do you still have the mime fellow with you? And he'd just been on! He'd just been with him! What I was just going to say is that I thought Jed had long gone by this point. But there he is. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, it's Mr. Nosy Bonk redrawn by Bob Godfrey in one of his <laughs> soft porn cartoons, I think. Not that there's anything soft porn about it, just that it's got that visual look. But I can see where Stephen Moffat got the idea for the silence from. <laughs> Certainly. Oh, they've got one of those fur lights with the green screen computer yeah. attached. You didn't really need that when you were on top of the pops, Not did really, you? Apart no. from some bands would have. Do you remember you say pet shop boys on theirs? And everyone's like, ooh, how clever. I'm like, it's that Cavalier. Yeah. Like he's, he decided to drag along what was probably £100,000 worth of equipment there. Yeah. Just for it to sit there. Being played by Chesney Hawkes' brother, by the <laughs> look of it. Jody Hawkes. Jody Hawkes? <laughs> there is a weird thing about taking too much equipment for miming. I've never understood that. Yeah, it's like at the moment I'm reading How Does It Feel by Mark Kermode. Well, he does talk about that. And he says about how his ambitions with his bands was always 
You know, nobody should have an instrument they couldn't carry themselves. And admittedly, you know, he's always been in sort of stripped-back skiffle bands, but, you know, as he points out, that includes a, a guitar, a harmonica, a theremin. And yet, why do you need, if you're going to mime? You know, do you remember there would sometimes be people in the 80s with two drum kits on top of the yeah. box, with those synth-pad drums as well? Oh, look, they're rocking the old synth-pads there. Oh, yes, yeah. And there's a load of unlikely characters, i.e. the audience... <laughs> Stood behind, holding kind of cheapo replicas of Jed's weird ghetto. Oh, no. oh, there are as well. It's like that subplot in that American Torchwood that didn't go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> All those people going around with those sort of cyberman masks. So, oh, they're getting quite sort of intimate here. Yeah, I'm not going to win this week's jigsaw competition. I can't work out the clues. <laughs> Oh, he's actually playing um, what oh. looks like uh, Commodore 64 now. Yeah. So he's finally moved over to the Fairlife for the mm. instrumental break. Mm. So he's the thing. The thing is, Howard Jones is really, really good, and this this isn't. And it's it must be awful when you kind of trip up a bit in public like this, because yeah. I'm sure he must must listen to this himself now and think, yeah, the wheels came off a bit with this. Yeah, it's no pearl in the shell or it's what not is love or... what is love, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Jed's getting a bit expressive there, isn't he? Yeah, somebody's taking their Jed mask off yeah. in the background, <laughs> not surprised me. That's a bad idea. Involving the audience in the performance on top of the box is always a bad idea. I remember being obsessed with earlier in these repeats. I had Lynx doing So This Is Romance. We had a bloke doing a weird hopping from one foot to the other to dance. He looked like a he looked like an insane Danny John Jewel. Oh my god, they've got a they've got a Jed mask of Gary Davis. That looks more like Phil Oakey, doesn't it? Yeah. Top ten. Which Pet Shop Boys one is that? Sub- oh, Suburbia. Stand up and fight. <laughs> Max is flying in the photo of R, which I quite like. Oh, go away, you rhythmics. Never like them. Word up. Cameo. Yeah. You can call me Al. I've never known where I stand on that. Yes, Nick Berry. Highest new entry. Oh, chart entry. Sorry, there's a big difference. I love Don't Leave Me This Way. I don't like whatever five-star one that is. Okay. I don't care so what that's going to be is. your favourite Rain or Shine. I was going to say Rise and Shine, Rain or Shine. <laughs> it must oh, be. why? So we've got Madonna at number one. True Blue is one of those Madonna songs I've never got on with. Every so often she do one that's just a bit too twee for me. And this is one of them. I just... It's no Cherish, that's for sure. It's definitely not. Well, it, isn't it the fault of Papa Don't Preach, which is... Absolutely brilliant. This is a bit kind of lardy-dardy, tweedle-eedle-eedle. Mm. Yeah, this album's quite a mixed bag from what I remember. Truly. What else was on it? Is this, that's got Lattice La Bonita, hasn't it? Yes, hasn't it got Open Your Heart? and Which is brilliant, yeah. yeah. Um, has it got Causing a Commotion? Or was that standalone? That was purely on the what, Who's That Girl soundtrack. Okay. Yeah, this is when she had that They'd always go back to that, that faux 50s Americana in the videos. Apart from Dear Jesse, when it was that weird faux 60s thing, where it start, appeared to start 
with the opening for the Adventures of Rupert Burns. <laughs> I've always been very fond of. It's, it's always about the soda hop or whatever it is. You know, like, I, Am I, I just, right in thinking this was written about Sean Penn or her relationship with Sean Penn? Really? I'm sure something's coming to mind here. I could mm. be totally wrong here. It probably was, actually. And to be fair, you know, we don't know what people are like, you know, out of the public eye, what they might inspire and so on, but I do always think, have you ever read the book about handmade films? Yes, I have. Where they talk about the making of Shanghai Surprise. Yeah. And everyone's saying, you know, um, Sean Penn could be quite difficult on set, but, you know, he'd suddenly been catapulted into the eye of this storm of fame and he was being praised maybe overhyped a bit and you know it probably he had he was struggling with that and at the end he said Richard Griffiths is less equivocal Sean Penn is at uh, it's a fa- it's not a family show but <laughs> I'm not repeating it just for possibly for libel reasons but uh, you can count on Richard Griffiths to uh, get to the point of it he's <laughs> shocked into silence by that no I'm trying to remember <laughs> Is it the same way that was used to describe Uncle Monty? Yes! Right, I thought so, okay. I shouldn't lean back when I'm talking to him. Apologies. Why are they in front of... Oh, they're no longer in front of the weird background I'm just going to comment on, so... Pretty much the entire video, aside Mm. from that previous clip, is filmed in front of, like, a a blue drape. Do you think they forgot to key in the background? It's like a CSO thing. Well, potentially, or maybe they're just trying to emphasise the fact it's called True Blue. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I just don't. She doesn't grab me. She's got one of those weird skirt legging combos that were big at the time. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, Banana Army used to like yeah. them, didn't they? And what they had a name, didn't they? I can't remember what it was. Was it the the le- the skirt leg? Like the keto, I don't know. <laughs> don't retrofit words, please. <laughs> it's a very boring video, isn't it? There's absolutely nothing to it. They're even doing boring. Oh no, there's a, there's a lamppost. <laughs> it's suddenly some excitement. But... I find it hard to believe that was actually number one. How famous she was aside. It's yeah. a bit... But I suppose after Boris Gardner, anyone, anyone could get to number well, one. Well, exactly, Mondo. Yeah. Yeah. It's just... <laughs> right, be honest. When this first came out, did you think Chevy Chase was Paul Simon? <laughs> <laughs> I actually thought he was Al. I knew Paul Simon was. <laughs> so I thought he was Al. <laughs> What, from Quantum Leap? <laughs> <laughs> I can never work out whether I like You Can Call Me Al or not. It's I just can't put my finger on it, but there's something like... I, I like it at the same time as hating it. Although I like to think, you know, with all the instruments off to one side, it's a bit like... The clown of Campbellwick Green, isn't it? We've got a saxophone on the left. We've got yeah. a, is it trombone or trombone? Trombone, isn't it? On the right? Looks like it, yeah. And where's, the, where's like, the keytar? Where's like the, the fair light? Yeah. Synth drums? 
Yeah, but where, where's the clown's loot and drum and bell that's bigger than him? <laughs> I'm not going to make this Camberwick Green Link work, am I? Those are some giant shoes he's got on. I know he's a tall guy, but half-mast trousers as well, <laughs> as we say locally. Chevy Chase is a great name, though. I'm still not sure what this song's actually about. Hasn't Paul Simon got big feet to say he's fairly short? Yeah, well, hello. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Do you think he actually played that penny whistle, or do you think it was somebody else on the recording? Well, I think he used that penny whistle to do the whistling on Walk Like an Egyptian. <laughs> and twisted there. Maybe it's Hal Bennett in the back. <laughs> so if we recognise any names in the credits, no, no, no. Everyone McKenzie. Ian, I didn't really know an Ian Mitchell, I think. I'm not sure. Hugh Williams. He's familiar for some reason. No, none of them ringing any bell so far. No, John Vincent. No, again, Rob Bristow. I know that name. Oh, yeah. Mike McCarthy. Yeah, these are names that I kind of know from programmes. I don't know why. Michael Michael Hurl. Yeah. Stanley Apple. Well, 1986 is you're getting a lot of kicking when people sort of live tweet these. But I actually like the fact that it isn't stuff that you know that isn't widely regarded classics that you can see all the time. I like that it's weird stuff that you know nobody would deliberately seek out or put in a BBC Four compilation because it's more interesting to. See how it chose doing all I want. <laughs> no, absolutely. I, I think. I mean, I, if I had to be pinned down, I think 1986 is my favourite year for music. Yeah. Probably because of nostalgia reasons. Probably mm. because I like the music. But I find it a fascinating year in terms of it sort of pre- sort of predicted what was going to come later on. You had yeah. a real mix of of traditional pop. The, the live age stuff was still there. Mm. There's obviously some like dancers really coming in, yeah, yeah. And then he has a lot of these odd songs like Boris Gardner, and that's a very odd song. <laughs> so it was a real, it's sort of a real varied mix. I felt that year yeah. out of all of the 80s, perhaps, of mm. different musical styles, yeah. yeah. Well, I've said before, I think 1986 is some kind of weird pan cultural harmonia that we've not <laughs> properly harnessed yet, but a lot of that's to do with Citrus Spring. <laughs> <laughs> so Chevy's playing the, the old trumpet or trombone there. This is better than the Madonna video because it, it's actually quite funny, isn't it? Did it say what was on next? Because I hope it's not the good old days. Paul Sam looks a bit confused there, doesn't he? He does. Like he's, yeah, like he's forgotten oh, yeah, what, 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 what I'm doing. Where my reading glasses. <laughs> and also, that, that's quite a, an interesting hairstyle, shall we say? Yeah, very, very monastic. Yeah, very convincing, isn't it? <laughs> Where have they acquired that bongo drum from? Oh, it's Simon carries it in just before. Ah, right. I wasn't paying attention. Paul Simon rather yeah. than Simon Mayo. <laughs> well, I'm not sure what's on next, but it's not Top of the Pops. But did you enjoy that journey back to 1986? I did, you know, because there were two songs I don't remember hearing before. Yeah. Wonderland and Howard Jones' All I Want. Yeah. If I had to pick one of those two to listen to again, it'd have to be Howard Jones because I felt Wonderland just kind of didn't go anywhere. But will you be following it with a watch of The Trial of a Time Lord? I'm going to skip that and go straight to Roland Rath, the series. (laughs) 
Top of the Box by Tim Worthington, the complete guide to every single release by BBC Records and Tapes. More details at timworthington.org.